The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. When he came and approached the house, He heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command And yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fat calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ.
When I was in seminary, the two most impactful books that I read were volume one and two of a book series by Ched Myers and Elaine Enns. It was called Ambassadors of Reconciliation. And I read these books in a class called Ministry to the Incarcerated and Their Families. And these books were prophetic to me at that stage in life because they elaborated on our call to be peacemakers. And they even expanded my understanding of how we can engage in the work of restorative justice. Now that term restorative justice, it was new to me in seminary and it might be new to you as well. And what it means is it's a, it's a way of justice that focuses on victim and offender reconciliation and communal healing. It's almost the opposite of what we currently know in our current criminal justice system of retributive justice where punishments are punitive and harsh and sometimes separate families rather than healing. And I was reminded of these principles of restorative justice that I learned back in seminary when I read the words from Paul in 2 Corinthians that we heard this morning. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. It is because we have been reconciled to God through Christ that we have been given this opportunity to be, rec to be ambassadors of reconciliation. And I love that term, ambassador. It has such an impressive and stately feel to it. And it in fact means an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. And I thought about that definition and I, first I didn't think it really fit with this idea of being an ambassador of reconciliation. But then as I got more creative and thought about it a bit more, I thought that's exactly what we are. That's exactly what it means to be an ambassador of reconciliation. Because in our baptism, our citizenship was declared for us in heaven. And it is God who is the president of heaven, who we report to and represent as ambassadors. Our call of duty is one to be ones who share that good news of reconciliation from our country of heaven. And we share that in this foreign place, this place we call earth, a place filled with division, place filled with brokenness and estrangement. It is in this very place that we find ourselves, where we have been entrusted as ambassadors of reconciliation. We are the ones whom God has sent, the ones to make bridges across ideological and cultural divides, the ones to seek wholeness in a broken world, and the ones to foster unity and restore unity where we have become estranged. And not only does this call to be, to be ambassadors of reconciliation come from Paul today in 2 Corinthians, but we are reminded of this call as well in our gospel from Luke, where we hear one of the most iconic and recognizable par parables that we could know in our scripture. It's the parable often referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. And while I think that much of the focus of this parable does revolve around the younger son who takes his share of his father's inheritance just to squander it away, 
only to eventually come back home and be welcomed with grace. That, that is the central action at the beginning of the story, but there is another part of this story, and I think because of that, we need to give this parable a new name. And one author calls this parable the parable of a father reconciling estranged brothers. And I think to make that title even a bit more expansive, and one that we can all relate to and situate ourselves in, let's call it the parable of the parent reconciling estranged siblings. And I like that title much more, because there is this whole other sibling in the story that gets overlooked if all of our attention is on the younger prodigal sibling. There's the elder sibling who, in many ways, is just as central to this story. They are loyal to their parent, but in believing that they are somehow more loyal and therefore more righteous, they miss the point of grace and the invitation to grace that the parent is offering. Because when the parent decides to throw this elaborate party for the sibling who has returned, the righteous sibling just cannot even believe that this party is even happening. So refuses to come to the party altogether. And I think the climax of this moment in the story, when we realize just how deeply estranged these siblings have become, is when the older sibling will not even recognize their other sibling as their sibling, but says to their parent, that child of yours. The parent in this parable not only runs out to greet the younger sibling when they return, but the parent has also left the party to plead with this older sibling to come to the party, to join this party. And I think what I love most about this text is that we never quite know the ending. It leaves us with a cliffhanger. We never fully know if the elder sibling listens to the parent's plea and joins the party. And I think in that way it leaves us as well to reflect on where God, our parent, is pleading with us to join a party of abundant grace, and yet we are resistant, insisting that unless everyone at that party has earned the right to be there, we will not go. Yet even in our stubbornness, God through Christ, has modeled for us the ministry of reconciliation and has entrusted us with this ministry as God's heavenly ambassadors. There will no doubt be times when we will take advantage of God's grace and squander it as if it were cheap. And there will also be times when we are like the elder sibling, not even recognizing the grace that we are invited to experience because we are regarding others from the human point of view, from the individualistic, pull yourself up by your bootstraps point of view. And in those moments, we might even cry out to God, our parent, and say, God, this child of yours needs to be taught a lesson. God looks at us in those moments like a parent, like the parent of the elder sibling, and doesn't agree with us and say, oh yes, that child of mine does need to be taught a lesson but instead turns it back towards us and says, not my, that child of mine, but that sibling of yours is in need of love and grace. Be my ambassadors of reconciliation. And that is when we once again return to the promise of our baptism. That is where we have been made one together in Christ. 
And once again, in the words of Paul from 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. We are reconciled through baptism and made new and one and whole together again. Our old, greedy, and stubborn selves die once again, and we return to our work and our call as ambassadors of reconciliation, bringing heavenly healing, wholeness, grace, and restoring unity to a foreign land that is in so, such deep need of those things. Maybe this morning you feel like the prodigal sibling returning to God. Maybe you see yourself as the elder sibling refusing to accept the grace being offered. Whatever the case may be, our parent has thrown us a party of abundant grace, and we are reconciled to one another and invited together to feast at the table of mercy. Amen.